And welcome to Hearty Dice Friends, the podcast that's role-playing games. My name's Grant Howard. I'm joined as ever by my friend Chris Taylor, and we're answering the hard questions. Like, for example, should old acquaintances be forgot? It's the new year. <laughs> yes, old acquaintances should be forgot. Mm. Because they should be current acquaintances. I think old acquaintances should be spitefully remembered and written down. <laughs> Older acquaintances should be on a list. But then again, I don't, I, I don't respect Rabbi Burns. I think he was a joke. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know enough about him. <laughs> nah, he was fine. Hello, everyone. Hello. It's the new year. We took a week or two off. I don't know how long it's been. The last the last recorded upload we have is from Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer Christmas. It's the 8th when we record this. So I guess that's two weeks. I think it is, yeah. Which we took off, yes, but we're but we're back, baby, and we're ready to rock. We've been through the practice week of 2021. Yes, we've done, done the warm up. Yeah, we we messed it up, but we got it. We got it sorted now. We're on track. It's all gonna be okay. <laughs> Try not to answer any emails that are too important. Yeah. Like, what a week it's been. Brexit hasn't immediately killed everyone yet, but I'm looking forward to that happening. I like that so far. Yeah. I like that feature of it. Yeah, England has has got into has got into a full lockdown, much like everything this government's instituted. A scant three weeks too late. <laughs> a scant eight months too. Late. A scant eight months to yes. Uh, so it is. Uh, it remains an exhausting and strange world in which to live. But we are here and we are role playing games. Christopher, I must ask you: Do you have any New Year's resolutions this year? Or perhaps, hmm, do you have any role playing game? Or TTRPG New Year's resolutions. Yes, I would quite like to run and playing games again. Oh, I don't know about that, man. It seems like a lot of effort, right? Like there was a, there's been a period where I've kind of had to opt out of them due to health reasons and yeah. gestures at world. Yeah. I'd like to play more games. I'd like to be more active. What do you want? To, do you want to play? That's interesting. What What would you like to play more? There's a lot of interesting games like on the horizon. Mm. And I mean, I mean the immediate horizon, not the sort of August horizon. Okay. Like Kingdoms, I'm very interested in, which is Sophia Tinney. It was a Kickstarter. What's, what's Kingdoms? It is a sort of the layout is very Morkborg. Okay. But scrappy rather than slick, like Morkborg is. Mm. It's kind of like a roguelite almost because it's generational play. Ah, oh, that's fun. Okay. So the idea is that you. You are an in- incredibly important, powerful person. Oh, Godblood! Yes, I read it. I thought it was great. Mm, it, it, it looks really good. And then you you pass yes. traits down to your down to your children. Uh, that can mm. be all sorts of different things, positive and negative, mm. political and medical, and things like that. Yeah, I thought but was the very thing cool. that's really thing that's really got me because I'm a inveterate Diablo player. Is that the um, the the weapons and items are made up of parts? You get cards. Yeah. So if you have a sword, you have like the handle, the middle bit of the blade, and the tip are mm. three separate parts. And yeah, this so bit was mean. taken from a dragon. This bit was taken from your mother. And this part is manticore. And that gives you different. That makes the weapon different. Mm. And I'm, I want to see. I want to see how it works. Like I've read it, but I want to see how it works. I'm doing yes, a little um, like. 
in-depth finger gestures here. I'm sorry that I that I forgot it initially. Reader, mm. listener, it's it's fucking dope. Because <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I was really impressed with it. The art's lovely. The like the style is the style is great. I was really impressed. You should pick it up. Mm. So I want uh, I want to get on those games. I want to get on the the smaller game. I want to play a space opera. Do you? Well, not space opera. Maybe, maybe that's the wrong one. I want to play Rogue Trader, but I want to play Rogue Trader using the old Seventh Sea rules. <laughs> I mean, that's entirely doable, I guess. It's entirely doable. I'm not sure whether I want to play it or run it. I mean, running it is fun because that means I get to call the shots and I feel, you know, in charge and people listen to me and that's nice. Mm. I really like 40k. I really like the... I've not run a 40k campaign in bloody yonks. That is true. It's been about a decade since I've run a 40k game. I, I'm like, I make 40k models pretty much every day. And I think it'd be great to have, have a spot of the old daring do, you know? That would be nice. A bit of, bit of, bit of, bit of swashbuckling. I don't get to say, ha-ha, often enough in day-to-day life. I, th- I think my only issue with that is I find it very hard to give any kind of a shit about space in games. Mm, well, it would be on planets and stuff, I wouldn't. No, I understand that, but I, I, I don't know why, but sp- like space travel doesn't seem exciting in an RPG. It's pretty dull. <laughs> right? It's like, it's like sea travel, except you take away the sea. You take away any interaction with the environment because you're just in a box... Like, in the sea, there's weather, there's other ships, there's all sorts of stuff, and you're in a smaller yeah. environment. Or it's like, how, how far away is that ship? It looks like it's getting a bit close. Oh, eight light years. Yeah. Yeah, the scale's a bit hard for me to consider. Yeah. It's a bit like, there was the start of, um, start this old, there was a DC fighting game I, um, I went and reviewed, uh, I went and previewed back in the day, and it had, like, Superman fighting the Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Which is like, okay, that's an exciting fight, but it took place entirely in the sky, shot from underneath. What? It was two men hovering <laughs> against a featureless blue sky, just punching. Were you playing as one of them? No, it was a cutscene. Oh, okay, so just imagine like you're playing the game, but you're just some guy in the street, just these two dots suddenly exploding up in the sky. You press B to go, wow. Ooh. Is that a bird? It is a plane that's just hit them. <laughs> it's no different game concept. That is a bird and a plane. <laughs> you have two stats. <laughs> I love how you can you, you can just, that's so easy now to make a game. You just go, you have two stats. It helps if those stats are opposed in some way, because bird and plane serve a lot of the same jobs. <laughs> that is true. It's not bear and criminal, is it? No, no. You, one is explicitly for bird stuff. I feel space is pretty dull. Mm. The concept, like the concept of space, and the stuff that's up there is fucking awesome. I mean, it's it's the I was about to say it's the sci-fi Wild West. Right? Of course, it's sci-fi, but it's the modern space. Wild West, right? Well, the, the 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 seas, the modern Wild West, and the, we don't know what's underneath any of the seas. All right, the future Wild West. James Cameron can get down there, so if anyone could do it. <laughs> My point is that yeah. it's, you know, in, in a Star Trek way, it is it is a frontier. The final frontier. Yeah. And, mm. you, you like, you're pushing into different worlds, and you can mm. just go crazy with what's on those worlds. Mm-hmm. Because they don't even have to be, like, carbon-based life forms. No, it is easier, though. It's a lot easier, but, like, yeah. you can do silicon-based, that's fine. I mean, they're probably going to all look a bit like blokes. <laughs> Maybe ladies, but my point is that you don't have to stick to that. No, you don't. You can get, you can get, you can get wild with it. You can go absolutely insane, and it's completely normal on that planet. Mm. It's not like in in a in a modern horror game when you see a weirdly shaped creature, you know it's an evil monster. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it could just be you know a local shopkeeper. It's just someone's mum. Yeah, and I kind of like that. Fire is how they communicate. 
this this is a game design podcast, obviously, when we're not complaining about um, space. This is a game design podcast, and the I, I just sorry, I just want to get back into this. I don't think space is boring. I think nothing is boring, and there's a lot of nothing in space. And also, I've got nothing but space right now. How do you mean? You can't go outside. I've I've been in your flat. You don't have that much space. No, but you, my point is like distance from things. Yeah, that's fair. I don't particularly want to be. Let's play a game where we're really isolated. <laughs> what you want? Some sort of naked mole rat colony simulator. <laughs> They're just rolling over each other. Oh yeah, where well, you're all just sort of like like there's 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 like five foot square of space and there's ten foot square of mole rats in it. <laughs> And you play at least three of those more rats. I want that game, actually. Oh, no, I don't. But I really, I I like the idea of touching a human being. That sounds pretty cool. That'd be great. That that, that sounds novel. (laughs) Fresh, exciting. (laughs) Right. Right. So, this is a role-playing games podcast. And before we started recording, Chris put forward the idea he wanted to have something about new starts. Yeah, because we're in the new year. Yeah, 2021. New Year's resolutions are basically bollocks. We all know that. You should have just made a decision at any time and not just picked a new year. But I think, I think the important thing to underline is that hope is fruitless and should not be encouraged. <laughs> yes, quit now while you're behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> quit, quit now before you have measured your position. <laughs> quit now before you know. Mm-hmm. It, but it would be nice to look at that, like, that whole fresh start thing and like how we can put that into a game. Because mm. there's lots of games that do it at a potentially grand scale, like okay. the sort of post-apocalyptic games that look at yeah. rebuilding rather than legacy. Mad Max. Yeah, legacy stuff like that. Yeah. The the yeah. Ho- the more hopeful post-apoc stuff. Mm. The the disgusting word hope punk. <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah, hope punk. Uh, I suppose any any word with punk after it is a thing now. Well, pu- punk is is fiction. <laughs> It's been broadly sort of shoved in to mean fiction. But it can mean anti-authoritarian. But the problem with Hope Punk is it's just got two Ps next to each other. And it's not Hopunk. It sounds like a Dutch beer. I'd drink it. It sounds quite nice. Mm. Hope Punk is about, you know, oh, let's build enormous towers of greenery and fill the earth with lovely oxygen. And Mm -hmm. let's, like, let's, let's imagine utopias rather than let's imagine dystopias. Yeah, makes sense. Um, So Hope Punk is a thing, certainly. I was thinking of it in a different way. Okay. What are the two best parts of role-playing games? Don't ask. Don't answer. I'll tell you. Thank you. One, making a character. Mm-hmm. Two, leveling that character up. Okay. Uh, like the core element of of th- thank you for disagreeing with me. That's good. The core element of role-playing games for most role-playing games is you get XP for doing the thing. And XP is a reward. Mm-hmm. So, what if you made a game that was just about making new characters and leveling up? Okay, so how? Why? Well, because it's great. Fresh start, baby. No, 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 no. Sorry, no. Like, what are what are you leveling them up for? Because you can mm-hmm. you can do that with literally any game, which is where you make a character and then you level it up. Mm-hmm. But if you're making a specific game with that in mind, mm-hmm. what's it doing? What's it doing? Well. Well, I'm not appreciating this negativity, but I understand. It's a great idea. I love it. I'd like to know what it's doing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good idea. I'm just shed just a little more light on the subject. (laughs) What I'm thinking is, one of my favourite bits about Lady Blackbird was the way the characters changed during a one-shot. 
mm-hmm. um, and in your standard games, change happens during downtime. It happens between games. It happens a lot of between the time. games. It happens like it's not really part of the game, as it were. It sits outside of that element, especially in something like D anD D. They never acknowledge it in the world. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is an entirely fictional concern. Even more so than say, like your strength score. You can like it would be possible to measure someone's strength score and measure their intelligence in the world and ascribe them a number. Mm. But levels much harder. Yeah, for that, no one refers to themselves as a, th- as, as a third level fighter, as it were. This very important thing, this huge thing, and also if you think of like in computer role playing games, when you level up, the the fanfare, the pomp, the circumstance. Oh yeah, especially when you when like it's it's a milestone level. Mm-hmm. We're talking about leveling up in downtime and stuff. That's because leveling up is basically homework. It's admin. And it's a reward. But also, in a lot of games, it requires a level of research. Yes, very much. You, you have to make the choices and do the thing. Whereas in RPGs, it's more... Me taking this feat is utterly useless. Mm. So I won't take that feat. Like, you have to have, make those decisions. Mm. I will never forget the first time I leveled up in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I was playing a normal game. I had a pistol. I shot a man and he died. Mm-hmm. And then an, elect- an electric guitar played. Oh, yes, my entire that- screen, <laughs> burr, my entire screen was full up with a new medal I'd won, and I came. <laughs> I finished right there. I was at a review event <laughs> in a basement of a Soho hotel, so I was not the first person to come there. But, <laughs> but my point is, leveling up is exciting, and we relegate it to this sort of downtime. Off the books, it's it's sorry, not 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 off the books, very much on the books. You're 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 going <laughs> through and ledger. making these decisions, and you're weighing up the odds rather than that sort of solid hit of excitement. Because you gained a level, that's what the game's about. Mm, it's about that progression, right? It's about that progression. So what I'm thinking is, we have characters who are a built to change within a session of maybe like you'd level up halfway through a fucking fight. So that's interesting. To give each player a terrifying second form. Mm-hmm. Almost. And then a third form. And a fourth form. I think you've got to keep it fairly light and or rarer than like four times during a combat. Otherwise, you don't have time to experience what you've got. I imagine, like, that, that, yes, that's true. I think like you, you, you'd be looking at things like, I'm leveling up, I'm I'm fighting, like, I, I take out an orc and I gain a level, cool, I get plus one to fight. Mm-hmm. And then I gain another two levels, and oh, I get I get a new attack. Oh, now my now my attack does this, and you have everything sort of. Oh, what was that game called? The Gearbox, um, the first person MOBA. Oh, Battleborn. Battleborn. Battleborn, which was which 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 was which was a, an ingenious game that no yeah. one played. It was brilliant. Everyone, you you missed out. That was the shit. Yeah, it was good. Like there was there was an amazing three weeks where it had a player oh, base of more than so three. So good. Core idea on Battleborn. It was it, it was a first person shooter. Um, but also it was done up like a MOBA, so you were fighting enemy opponents and there were ads. There were ads, right? Yeah, there were ads and lanes yeah. and your standard ads towers and, lanes and you did the thing. You spent XP, you had you had kind of, kind of twisting helix DNA thing, and then every level you'd pick one of these powers to uh, to upgrade, and it might be, oh, my um, now my shots have a wider explosion radius, or now I move faster, or now I do more damage when I'm aiming. And so it let you build a little bit of a class out of these different options. But it was mm. always this very quick binary choice which you could make, and also if you knew, if you knew the champion, then you knew what you were picking ahead of time. But also you could do a very interesting thing where you could adapt that to the team mm. that you were fighting 
Like if they've got a lot of long range people and you're melee, you could go, okay, I don't actually need that much damage, but I could go incredibly fast to get to them yeah. before they kill me, etc. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, I, I need higher shields to get in mm. and then I can do the thing. And so this sort of adaptive thing was really fun. Now, what I'm thinking is we have that in a role-playing game. So you'd have a very tight class. Like you would have you would have your fighter booklet. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could even do something like print it out and fold it up, so you've got the little, like a little sort of um, a, a four-page booklet, if you can imagine it, with like a bit, a bit of A4 paper folded up. Okay, so this is really interesting because this is tied into an idea that I've been wanting to try and do for years, but have never really gotten a handle on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's become it's it's come closer into my mind with the advent of more people playing online because more mm-hmm. people using technology in their games mm. rather than having to do it with paper. Um, and it actually comes from the old Knights of the Old Republic games. Oh, you'll have to you'll have to explain it to me because I bounced yeah, off no, those it, pretty it, hard. That's fair. It's very simple. I didn't like them either. Yeah. Um, but as you did things in the game, you got light and dark side points. Yes. And you shifted up and down a continuum. And depending mm-hmm. on where you are on that continuum, several things changed. Right. What magic? I can't remember what the Jedi word for it is. Force. What, force powers. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. What magic you had? What flavor of wizard you are? Yeah, you had access to different things. Mm-hmm. So you're more lightning at one end. More you're more, I don't know, cuddles at the push. other. I guess trip, trip man and laugh. Yeah, but it also yeah, thanks, changed. Thanks, it also Luke. changed the visual style of your character. Yeah, you got like um, a bit like in Fable as well. You got the sort of the uh, stuff on your face. Business. You got face business. Yeah. So the the original idea was that you had this very basic, very plain character sheet with an mm-hmm. awful lot of like void negative space on it mm-hmm. and then as you I went okay I'm I'm now a fighter you take the fighter sheet acetate mm. and slide it over the top of that plugins and that would be like now you've got this ability mm. okay I'm also evil you slide that over and it <laughs> it stacks into that negative space so that it fills yes. the page and with modern technology that's actually mm. doable rather than having a stack of 600 different acetates yeah, they did it with something, uh, The Strange, mm. the sort of sliders world-hopping uh, RPG, which yeah. Monty Cook put out, and like you had your core character, and then you stuck that on top of, uh, oh, and in, in in Arthurian times world, in Arthurian times world, I'm, I've got these stats, and then in the sci-fi world, I've got these stats. Yeah. I thought that was very clever. Was that pretty for Monty Cook? I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what, what I'm thinking is that we can translate that into this leveling up system. Mm-hmm. And and still keep it for other parts of the game as well. Okay. Imagine you've got a virtual tabletop, okay. and the GM has the ability to send keywords to your character mm-hmm. sheet that change it. Yeah, yeah. right. So yeah. if they type in send evil to mm. Grant, then mm-hmm. your character sheet does like an animation where it cracks slightly and looks starts looking creepy. That's interesting. And a new ability like boils up from some swamp water or whatever you know like a full animated like like as you yeah. say that that guitar strike that level Juicy. up mm. yeah and they can do that at any time and you have to react and change how you play the game i'd like to take this and make it more granular you said you, you've got evil there right mm-hmm. what if you did the same thing but for angry or injured yeah yeah i mean i used i used evil as like a very broad category like yeah, one that would yeah. perhaps persist but you mentioned earlier, when you kill an orc, you level up, mm-hmm. and then you do a thing. Well, what mm-hmm. if if you killed that orc in a certain way, the GM goes, hang on, that was quite cruel. Mm. You just type in cruel, send it to the character sheet, mm. and it would 
it would do something complicated and and change the way the character works. In some cases, surprise the player. Mm. Like I'm thinking, there's a lot of these variables. Okay. I'm not talking like. 40, I'm talking 200. Okay. Um, some very minor, some completely character changing. Mm-hmm. And some of them have timers. Right. The character sheet would know how many rounds of the game you're going through. You could probably tie it to levels. You could tie it to levels, but also imagine, imagine that, like, this just lasts, the angry just lasts to the, to the end of the combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or until the enemy you're angry with is slain. Yeah. And then it fades out of your character sheet and is replaced by something else. Mm-hmm. And as a player, you can control that by role-playing. By playing in a certain way, you'll control how your character develops. Okay, let's use one of the extreme things here. In D&D, you have paladins who have the atone spell. Yes. And if they don't have the atone spell, they fall. They lose all of their paladin stuff. Yeah. Imagine if that just, like, shatters, like, explosively and loudly on their character sheet when they do something that crosses their turn. And it literally falls off the screen and leaves huge gaps, huge voids. Mm. until they go, okay, you know what, I'm going to do fighter training, and you press the button for fighter training, and then it tells mm. you how long it's going to be. And then once that's <laughs> once once you've done you know, X scenes, then the fighter training comes in. Mm. And I think that we're, we're in an age where people are used to this sort of gameplay through video games, mm. and we have the technology to start doing it. Because I have this huge aversion to virtual tabletops because they look like yeah. shit. They don't look good yet. That they look like they're done out of a two by two pixel JPEG. You know what I mean? They're PS2 graphics. There's a conflict box element to them. Mm-hmm. Everything looks like it's been sort of just shoved together. And I realise because it's not very profitable to make one, and there's a lot of like amateur or fan produced content, which is how a lot of stuff goes up on there, which makes sense. Yeah. But also, it's not very exciting to look at. But imagine, imagine if you had some, if you had a company that put in the the time that they would put into an indie video game mm. into this character sheet game. I, I think I think what we're arguing for here is juiciness. Yeah. Thickness. In online role-playing. Thickness and excitement. So what we're arguing for is juiciness in role-playing games. We're arguing for... The, the, the core idea of role-playing games is quite dry. And I think that there's, there's not a great deal of discovery. There's not a great deal of uh, excitement in interacting with the UI. Often yeah. it's paper-based. Often, like, like, it, like in my games, it's homemade. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll get... I, I, I don't print out character sheets generally. I'll get people to write it down themselves. Because that, <laughs> that's how I always did it. And honestly, I think it makes a... Well, I, I don't know. I think there's, there's somewhere between, like, I've made this character sheet specially for this person, so they're a character, versus Grunt couldn't even be bothered to print out a character sheet. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the fancy way of saying that is that you create ownership mm. of the character and the character sheet. Engagement, sheets. yeah. But, but, I mean, a character sheet is also a useful... A useful ritual element. Yes, absolutely. Like, like, like this is like this is a special bit of paper which print. I've got special words which you tick off, and that's your way in. Rather than, oh, just get just get the back of an envelope and jazz it out on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like I can see this going in two directions, and one is a one is this is this very exciting uh, over the top. You gained a level in paladin level of. Role playing, which is which, which is innately tied to a probably to a bespoke computer program. Yes, I mean, admittedly, that's what I'm thinking of at the moment. You'd need a mobile version for for face to face play, but it'd be primarily based through a roll twenty style thing where this is plugged in, and this 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 platform is designed to run this role playing game, mm-hmm. and it would it would end up being like D and D, but with more guitar. 
Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just thinking like exciting D and D rather mm. than accounting D and D. You know, like fancy wizards, explosions. I want to put forward another option, mm-hmm. and this is much more lo-fi. It's okay. much more low-tech. No, you know how in the playground there were those. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, I think you're getting what I'm going for here. You know, there were those, those, those color picker things which girls used to make and boys didn't know how. Yes, even if they were shown. I, I've, I've been shown how to make one many times, and I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I think like the first part of it is you, is you have to make the paper square, and that, oh. is, that is an ongoing mystery for me. Yeah, no, that's not doable. It's like hopscotch. Yeah, like they, they they were called color pickers, or they were like uh, they were like little fortune telling devices, and they were customizable. And the idea is you pick a color, and then and and then the girl would would open and close it a, a, a number of times and say an incantation, and then fold something up and give you an answer. It's a fun <laughs> tell you thing. a ticket and then leave. And, t- and tell you to fuck off, Grant. Which is fair, but those had those those always held a certain level of excitement to me, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's also something akin to that in the in like a, in the trifold um, playbooks for Apocalypse World. Yeah, in that you're given this folded thing, you're given this special paper, and then inside inside the uh, trifold playbook, there's everything your character can be in there. Yeah, it's just you just you haven't unlocked it yet. Um, and I was chatting about before the like fold up a bit of paper twice so you get a four page book though. What I'm what I'm imagining here is like this would be primarily a game for one shots. So you're looking at you're looking at like I'm imagining a Lady Blackbird style game, where you have like maybe not like named characters, uh, but also like uh, like the Queen Crumbles, the Gravity Witch, the Gravity Witch, the it's like, it's like, it's like the the half ogre bodyguard, or I've, 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 or like or the the undead bodyguard. I forget the precise. Oh, names, he's a, like, he's a golem. Yes, like these really strong defined characters. Which you start out with, so like, so like, you're playing, you're playing this person, and you can you can you can have whatever kind of vibe you want to put on top of that person, but you are your class is that person, yes. And your front page is hi, you're this person. There's a drawing of this person. You have you have all the relevant stats. It's real light at the start. Then when you level up, you open it, and you've got two choices to make on the first page. Do you want to do X or Y? And then you've got another two choices to make on on the next page. X or Y, you go through. Do you have a big sword or a bow? Like you, yes. you can do simple levels like that, and yeah. that that will change. And then once you've got used to the idea of like, okay, I've done the thing. You could even you could have triggers on there, so you're tapping into some of the Gloomhaven stuff for like, oh, once you've done these things, you unlock the idea. You unlock the um the next class. You unlock this ability. Yeah, somebody can now play as the arcane trickster. Precisely. Once you've gone through the first the first four pages of it, and again, it's, it's this fun thing to pick up and hold. Imagine like going to a con and having them all sort of folded up and given to you. And like, hey, don't open it yet. Just go through and, and pick special and pick ones for special adventures and. Yeah, precisely. You then unfold it, and you've got a skill tree on the back half, mm-hmm. which you then start picking through. And so you've been taught through the first three bits how to how to understand, how to read, how to make these quick decisions, and then you have a much longer decision thing as you go through, but you could have, like, we could have it as a fairly um, broad... That's, that's, that's not the word I meant to say. You have it as a fairly sort of sped-up campaign, so they wouldn't be like, oh, okay, so you're, you're you're waiting six days in town. What do you do? It's more like, right, you're you're, you're fighting the evil sorcerer. What happens when you do the thing, blah, 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 you fight the evil sorcerer, and then the evil sorcerer's kingdom has fallen, and now the building is exploding. What do you do? Yeah. And you get to skip forward maybe months at a time to the next exciting thing that's happening. But all that, there is, like, the downside 
downtime, there's no leveling up in downtime. No, I mean, you used a, a weirdly appropriate example right at the beginning there of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Mm. Renowned for having a very busy screen of shit going on. <laughs> yes. And if you if you don't play a game like that, it's it's insane. There's just so much stuff on there happening all the time that isn't it, shoot man. It's like trying to watch a Japanese advert. Yeah. And then once you've played it for a while, that all of that stuff just disappears and you, you don't see it anymore. Mm. Like, it's still there. It doesn't... I put this. The information goes in, but it doesn't disrupt you. Yes. And yeah. you, you, you're, you're breeding that familiarity with the game. Mm. And the interesting thing is, like, you can take this as complicated as you want. There's a, there's a beautiful, I believe, Chinese art. Those um, playground colour picker things. Mm-hmm. Imagine that... But it's a book. Okay. And you open it in you yes. open it in the middle. That's yes, the and only, there's different ways you can unfold that's it and the read only it. Way and, you yeah. can open it, and then you and then in there there's like six different boxes, and you open those. Mm. And when you've opened enough of them, you can then unfold these into a different box. Mm. And it's this beautiful, like fractal thing. Mm. Um, so you can go that level of art mm. or you can go incredibly lo-fi and just fold Gazzini. a piece of paper. You know, you yeah. you can just like. Um, email a character sheet to your mate. So can you print this out and fold it? Try not to read it too much. Let's play. And I, and I like that you've got those those mm. ends of the spectrum. And like it does require a printer, unfortunately, which as millennials no one owns. Not anymore. It, the only reason I have a printer is because I print role playing games. <laughs> yes, you have a business reason. Yes, a business reason. And even now I get that done off site. Mm. Like the printer is the printer is mainly for contracts. Yeah. <laughs> From what I can tell, having um, so basically going aggressively offline or aggressively online with this, I'm not sure which one, but I feel whichever one we do, the story is going to be the same. the The fiction is going to be the same. Yeah, I think. I think interestingly, the fiction can be the same, but the game will feel different. Mm. If you're doing the sort of the hi-fi version, the online mm. beautiful art, wonderful coding, all you know, software <laughs> talent. Little avatars, little avatars like your character. Like when you get sent armor and you equip it, they change appearance. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. For me, that would be like playing one of these big RPGs, like the The Witcher or Red Dead. I'm playing through Red Dead Redemption Two at the moment. You are playing through Red Dead, yes. And I'm constantly surprised by the interactions and the animations in the game and what the game can do. Mm. And I mm. love the concept of that feeling in a role playing game. Mm. because at the moment the way it sits is that you read the book you know the game mm. I mean don't get me wrong it does change based on who's running it what you're doing everything like yeah. that but you're not surprised by the core game ever mm. and I like the idea that you can you can do this you can you can play through a game and go oh, I didn't even know that was an option I've yeah. never seen that happen before yeah and yeah. so so for me that kind of um, immersion and I've forgotten the word for it but emergent yes that emergent gameplay in role playing games at a at a rules level, mm. because obviously role playing games are the very definition of emergent role playing of, of emergent gaming. Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose so because because they run through a human filter. Yeah, yeah, everything changes and you react differently. You don't react the same way every time to what somebody says. I'll be honest with you; it's been a long time since I can't, I cannot, I cannot think of a time where two mechanics came together in a role playing game, and I was like, mm, "How interestingly playful!" Mm-hmm. As opposed to say, like in Minecraft. Where yeah. a lot of stuff organically comes up, or like I mean, like 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 Red Dead, where like um I I, I was streaming with Chris recently, and Chris, Chris shot a pig farmer after an argument, and I was like, oh, you should feed him to the pigs. 
because I'm sure I'm sure they hate him. And it was kind of a joke that we did, and we threw him in. And the pig started eating him. There was blood effects, and like there was a genuine, specific animation for it. They hadn't. It wasn't like oh, okay, you're going to feed this pig farmer to these pigs. It was like well, we've programmed the pigs to eat anything, mm-hmm. including corpses, and this corpse counts as food. And if you put it in the place where the pigs are, they'll do the thing. And that was by having those two systems which came together we were given this brilliant this this brilliant moment which was not necessarily intended or not so what not scripted or designed but was allowed to happen within an ecosystem yeah. and it's very rare that you get that in role playing games because so much of it is i suppose improvised rather than systemic you, you either stick you either stick to the rules or you make some up yeah and that that's fine that's not a problem mm. But it's in, uh, the concept of getting that level of gameplay at the, the systemic level is beyond mm. exciting to me. Mm. And and finding out something about your character that you didn't know because you did because you did something that the GM went, hang on, actually that's evil. I'm just going to mm. put in evil, and it doesn't turn you evil instantly. But like there's a there's a hidden counter, like even the GM can't see it, and it's just when it's ticked up a certain amount it changes your character sheet and things like that I want to do I don't, this isn't quite I, I, there's something I'm concerned about with this game okay I love the idea I love the I love the, the graphical richness of it I think the the power in role playing games comes from the fact that you can do anything mm-hmm. you can uh, and the fact that like why I get much much more satisfaction often out of a, out of a role playing game is because me and my friends telling a story and the mechanics are there to push the story in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what I'm concerned about is is the more that we um, automate this process, the more the more that we um, rely on systemics, which are required for the game to function, the less control you give the GM, and the more you're going to find situations where players do something and the GM's like, oh, we don't, have, we don't have a button for that. I suppose I, I, I'm not sure that that would be a problem mm. because of the way that I'm envisaging the data being sent. Okay. You would still have the fact that you can do anything in the game. Mm-hmm. The The list is not, you can't lift things. Mm-hmm. You use your strength to lift things. You Like normal rules. You, you can't shoot lightning because you don't know how to shoot lightning. Mm-hmm. Like standard D&D, same sort of thing. But the DM would just have this, like, I mean, you remember those, like, old sound boards where you get, like, thousands of buttons and you press one and it makes a noise? Yes. The DM the DM would have a, a control panel like that up mm. on their screen. When they notice something, when they have an interaction with a player that's not necessarily character sheet based, it's entirely mm. role-playing based, in that, like, oh, uh, you've you've turned some, somewhat into a Lothario. Mm. They can just secretly or well not secretly because the player would know but they can just without warning up that person's charisma mm. and and change the way that the character works without necessarily consulting the player mm. and i think that that's the interesting thing for me because obviously killing somebody's character without their consent basically is gruesome like that's awful mm-hmm. it's not fun mm-hmm. but basing on their role-playing decisions People hate that. No, but basing it on the role-playing decisions, and obviously, like you buy into it. I'm into it. I'm into it, but I'm nasty. No, I'm not. I'm not saying like they lose the ability to use a sword. Like they get better, Mm -hmm. or they they they, they've killed what they've been killing recently is just goblins, right? Uh huh. Thousands of them at once. Right. So they start learning cleave abilities, not Mm -hmm. dragon killing abilities. Right. Yeah. And it's that you each person builds their character by how they role play them, not by making choices in a book about which feet to take. Yes, I like that. I think that it would, like people, people 
loathe having control taken away from them in that respect. I I would like it. Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't see this in any way as taking control away from the player because you're you're telling the you tell the player that the way that you level up is by doing stuff. Mm. Um like in Skyrim, you if you want to level athletics, you jump up and yeah. down a lot. Yes. That's what you're telling the player. Mm. If you want to be a Lothario, go do Lothario shit and you'll start getting Lothario stuff. I think yes, I I, I think I think what I'm after here, and this this is pretty dull, my, my my objections here. I would like I would like a codification system. I would like a means of not necessarily like spending of saying, right, I want I, I want to up my charisma, so I'm gonna go do Lothario things. Charisma, please. But I would like I think a bit a bit of like some transparency between the players and the GM in terms of what actions can have what consequences. I think the thing which would concern me about this is it is reliant on the GM being aware of my actions and being and like and being aware of this of the subsystems in play. Yeah, I I, I you are correct. Um I think the GM not being aware of your actions is a very rare occurrence in a role-playing game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I understand. But also, that maybe you, you incorporate the, the, the guitar strike leveling up system as well. Mm. You don't, you know, you just off, you, you slightly obfuscate the, um, the XP, so it's a surprise. Mm. Like, you, they get all the XP, it's just they don't have a bar that says you're about to fill it up or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you suddenly get this, bang, you've leveled up. And then on yeah. their character sheet, they get choices to make. Yeah, a radial menu comes up with "I want to be more combaty," and then from that, another one comes up with "with swords," and they can they can make those choices, mm. and that happens regularly, like fairly often. Mm-hmm. The idea that their choices matter and they have a lasting effect on the game and their character mm. is so beyond interesting to me. In that Knights of the Old Republic way of do evil shit look evil. I think I really like the idea of choices. I really like the idea that we take the what the GM's doing is pick is, is basically giving you a buffet. So as you play, you can you can you can tick this box next to the player which is which is has done evil shit. Mm-hmm. Or made a friend, and you've got you've, you've got you've got all, all, all these different states, and like, and like the GM is the GM is made aware of all these different like levels you can get, and little ones and big ones, etc. And then you drag these in, and then when it's time when it's time for level up, bang, happens, and then they get that boop, up on their screen, and it's like, hey, this level you've, and you can pick out the thing and do the thing and choose it, and then you go forward and you do that again, and that's the your character changes a bunch. Mm. As you go through, and that's exciting. I suppose the thing that I really want is that feeling when, uh, in a game like Red Dead, or say, especially things like The Witcher, mm-hmm. um, when you're given quite a binary choice, right? Like, do you want to kill this man or let him free? Mm-hmm. And you don't know the repercussions of those. Yeah. And then nothing happens, basically. Let's just, mm-hmm. in this, nothing happens, doesn't really matter. But yeah. 30 hours of gameplay later, you meet that man. He says, thank you for, let, for letting me go free. Have mm-hmm. my fancy magic hat. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, Whereas if you'd have killed him, anymore. you could have stolen the current magic sword he had. Right, yeah. I want those things in a, in a, in a, in a role-playing game, in a pen and paper, as it were, role-playing mm. game. So that when you, when you do stuff, it has an effect and it has a lasting effect that can be a problem for you or can be a boon for you but you didn't go okay so i know that if i choose that i don't mm. have the walk you don't have the walk in front of you you don't know what the choices mm. necessarily lead to i think there's there's definitely something there around the idea of um a mechanical mechanical enforcement of building platform because mm-hmm. there's very little in the way of that in role-playing games like 
in the idea is that we've introduced this question, you answer the question, but we don't know what the ramifications are, and then it's up to the GM to remember that happened and improvise something later on. Or if it's a published adventure, it's like, well, the players here can choose to drown the kittens or give the kittens all lovely magical hats. Oh, God, the published adventures in this could be gorgeous. It'd be pretty slick, wouldn't it? Mm. It'd be pretty cool. And also, like, God, like for new GMs as well? Oh, not, not only that, you could run that shit GMless. At a certain level, you could. You could, couldn't you? You could just you could just go and do an adventure. Yeah, I mean, for instance, um, uh, as, as as a sort of basic proof of concept, Emberwind runs yeah. adventures without GM. You, somebody just reads the enormous track of box, <laughs> like novel length box. <laughs> Stop doing it. Um, and then it, it literally presents you with option A, B, or C. Mm, yeah. Um, do you want to rob the guy? talk to him or just leave mm-hmm. and then you pick one and they're called crossroads points and then you mm-hmm. read the, the you turn to page 62 and read the next bit mm. and the level of interactivity you can do with that at a at a video game level and again I'm thinking of that level of production value mm-hmm. could be astonishing yeah what we've done is designed two games and I love it <laughs> yes accidentally we we designed the same game twice, but yours has a great deal more options, and mine has a great deal more individual characterization, and I like both of them a lot. Yeah, I, I think they are very different games that do very different things and feel different, and I like that. But, but hopefully, and, scratch that same itch. Yeah, and it's interesting to me that there's this video game end of the spectrum mm. and the traditional end of the spectrum. And I think I think coders and software designers need to start looking at end of that, mm. that, that video game end mm. and how you can bring video games um, tactility mm. into role-playing games because there's absolutely no reason not to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just quick question. What's the setting? Wizards, right? Uh, yeah, I, I would I would at least set the first one in crazy fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Like slightly madcap. I would go more, um, and again, I keep referencing this game because it's lovely, Emberwind End, mm-hmm. where everything's just, it's just got that extra dash of Warcraft to it. The, the pauldrons are a little the bit bigger. The pauldrons are larger. The, the teleports are further. You know what I mean? It's just a bit Yes, that man is wearing a scarf. Yeah, exactly. Of course he is. Yeah. And why his face is on fire, but that's just how he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't stare, it's rude. Mm. Whereas Dungeons & Dragons tries to walk this weird line between the accessibility of the sort of mm-hmm. Warcraft styling mm-hmm. and its own weird brand of Grimdark. Yeah, it's the, the points of light, as it were. Yeah, yeah and it tries, it, it bounces around and it's it's all over the place. Um, but I think that this leads leads itself to a much more bombastic D&D. Yeah, you slot, you, you, you slot into a nice big suit of armour and a scythe. Mm-hmm. Everybody's big, everybody's cool, and everybody's iconic all of the time. Everyone's got great hair, although it's quite low res. Oh, even at, for, uh, yeah, at first level, they just start off in you know a pair of pants with a wooden sword. <laughs> like you can you can do that level, and you can just because you can make it last can, ten yeah. minutes, and they go yeah. right, okay. Now, noble adventurers, your first quest is to kill me six snow moose. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just a joke tutorial. We need we need a name for the um for the episode before we wrap up. Progress. We need a better name for the episode <laughs> before we wrap up. Well not the episode, but like the the progress system is isn't bad. How about we called it Love Up? Love Up. it'd be it'd be because you need to remove all the vowels. I hate it. it. Yeah, it's bad. Progress. Yeah, yeah, okay. Progress. I like that. Like it's it, it's 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 a system about always ch- changing and moving forwards. Hmm. And you can't just go, 
I didn't. I don't like that decision. I, I'm. I'm going to go back. I'm going to change my character. What if we called it Chimera, but Chimera was an acronym? Oh, okay. Because there, there is. I will say there is already a role playing game called Chimera, which kind of does this. But if we make it an acronym, that's fine. Complete high impact mercenary Many. energy radical combat adventures. America. <laughs> oh, I forgot America. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, so 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 this uh, this week's game is uh, Chimera, but it's an acronym. We'll spell it really um, wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll throw we'll throw extra Y's in there. Couple of C's. Thank you very much for joining uh, for joining us this week, and and uh, as we welcome in this new potentially better year. As I say, we had the practice week. The rest of the year yeah, is going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. Warmed up now, ready to rock. Oh, crack my neck, let's dance. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, uh, I'll be honest with you, I kind of want to write some little booklets. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk to some software designers. That that's kind of sounds like a chill way to spend an afternoon, you know, maybe do a little drawing. Nice. Anyway, if you've enjoyed this and you want to support our um, chill afternoons or coffees with, with software designers, you can go to patreon.com forward slash hearty dice friends and give us some money. You can give some dollars per episode. And the main benefit you will get is you will come and join our Discord, which is a friendly, welcoming place full of lovely people. Uh, I think that's it. If you've got if you've got any questions or ideas for games, uh, we don't really accept them anymore. <laughs> but you can try, and I'd, and I'd respect your hustle. We we do accept them, but um, the the games concept board on. Hearty Dice Friends has basically <laughs> turned into I've seen this weird thing. <laughs> to send it into Hey, this is a picture. Like, yes, that is a picture. Congratulations. I'm not sure how I can make I'm not sure how this is a this is a this is a game, but I'm glad that you have fun. And honestly, I love it. I love I love reading yeah. them, but it's it's very hard to turn some of them into games. <laughs> but yes, if you if you do have a cracking idea for a game, uh, whether that's daft or serious. Please let us know, and, we, and, and if, if, if we if we reckon we can hash it out for forty five minutes, we will we will steal it for an episode. <laughs> we will hash it out. We love you a great deal. We hope you have a good um, actual everything. first week of January. Just have a good everything. Hope you have a good legs. <laughs> Bye. Bye.